Episode 33, how to reignite your sex life and keep your relationship alive. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful, but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I use my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I wanna share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you so you can live Life Amplified. One of the biggest complaints I hear from both male and female clients, especially the ones in long-term relationships, are I'm in a sexless marriage. Things used to be so hot when we first started dating. It was exciting, it was new, it was passionate, and now we're living like roommates. You know, now we're just splitting the bills, we're busy taking care of the kids, we're busy working all the time, we don't flirt, we don't date, and things have become stagnant. And in this episode, I wanted to reach out to the person I believe is most qualified to speak on this topic. She is a very dear friend. Megan Riley is a sexual empowerment coach based out of Colorado. She's also the host of the podcast, The Woman's Guide to the Orgasmic Life. This week, we're gonna talk about sex and relationships, although what I think you're going to realize is over the course of the next 40 minutes or so is that the issues are rarely about sex. This conversation is going to take a different turn, but I think you're going to get so much value out of it. Now, I want to preface this by saying you're going to hear Megan and I talk about men and women in relationships, but what we're really talking about is not so much gender or genitalia. We're talking about the differences in energy. It's about masculine and feminine energy energy. Whether you are straight, whether you're gay, whether you're in a same-sex relationship, this applies to everybody. Just want to preface that by saying love is love. I want you to love who you love, but this is really about the polarity of energy that keeps a relationship alive. You can actually go back and check out episode 16 where I do a deeper dive on just the differences in energy and why that is so important in romantic relationships. Some of the topics that Megan and I are going to discuss today. Why a lack of sex in a relationship is rarely about sex. We'll talk about the daily routine for both men and women to help you let go of stress and be more present at home with your partner. The three magic words that will help a masculine partner connect to his feminine partner. The gateways to physical intimacy for both men and women. The importance of a masculine partner knowing their purpose and how it makes them irresistible to the feminine partner. Why it's important for a woman to know her needs in order to get them met in a relationship. We'll talk about the personal responsibility you must take to love yourself the way you expect your partner to love you. We'll discuss the three vital components to make your partner feel seen and valued in a relationship. And Megan is gonna tell us about her 24-hour foreplay rule. If you're loving the episode and this is providing value, make sure you screenshot it, upload it to Twitter or Instagram. Let us know you're listening. You can find me at CSC Dan Mason, and you can find Megan at Megan M. Riley. Important topic this week. Whether you're married, whether you're just in a long-term relationship, or whether you're a single person who wants to be in a fulfilling long-term relationship, there is so much wisdom for you in this conversation. Get ready. It is Sex and Relationship Week on Life Amplified. 
Megan Riley, welcome to Life Amplified. Thank you, Dan. I'm so excited. Megan is like my business bestie, and we have been supporting each other for the past year as we've launched our coaching businesses. It has been so great, and we've been talking about a podcast for almost this long, so to make it happen is really exciting. Yeah, so, you know, I'm like 30-plus episodes in, and one of the things I haven't talked much about has been sex. My favorite subject. I know. And I haven't talked about it much because I've been single for most of this podcast and I haven't been having much of it, quite honestly, but it's not just about being single and not having sex. I think that that's what we want to talk about today because you and I were talking over dinner tonight. If you look at the statistics, it's 20% of marriages and relationships in the United States are sexless. Sexless, which means less than one time per year. One time. Per year. Year. And then you got another 20 to 25% of relationships and marriages that are having sex less than one time a week. So maybe twice a month if you're lucky. So unacceptable. 65% of women are unhappy with the amount of sex that they're having. 65%. And I'm imagining the rate for men is probably higher. Well, yeah. So the question is, why is that the case? If you total up those numbers between the people that are either sexless or having it once to twice a month, it almost overlays with the divorce rate. You're right. Now, there are couples who are in sexless marriages that are quite happy about that. We are not talking about those couples. So for all one of those people listening right right now, find another podcast, go back and binge (laughs) listen to past episodes. This isn't for you. But I'm curious, why is this an epidemic in the United States right now? Well, if we look at what we blame it on. So in past relationships you and I have been in, what I have blamed a lack of sex on is stepkids, time, money, stress, animals. I'm just too tired from work. I, I don't have time for it. You're getting the kids to activities. There's no time. Right. There's no time. We could say a headache when actually having sex will actually help a headache. There we go. You know some man's going to be pulling that card out this weekend when he listens to, <laughs> wait, wait, headache? <laughs> Tell me more about your headache. Allow me to help. So we've got a ton of stories why we're not. Right. But really, what's underneath those? What's underneath the stories? Why is it that we are not talking? Why is it that women don't have or feel the freedom to be able to say, I really want to have sex tonight? Why is it that women don't feel that freedom to say to their partner or to be able to ask for what they need? 50% of women, 50% of women have regular orgasms. The other 50% do not. 50% do not have regular orgasms. So why is it that we are not teaching women about their bodies? And why is it that we are not teaching men about women's bodies? Because for most men that I know of, it's not that asking for it is the problem. They're asking for it, but they don't feel like they're getting it. So where is the disconnect? Well, if we look at relationship, right? We can go back to the masculine and feminine in a relationship. So it doesn't matter if it's a same-sex relationship, if it's a hetero relationship. There is one who has a masculine core, so to say, and one that has a feminine core, so to say. And then on top of those cores, because of traumas, because of things that we are conditioned, women, especially my generation, I'm 44, and we were trained growing up to be able to think we could do anything. You can be just like a man. You can do anything just like a man. When the truth is, that's not really true. We can do anything like a woman. 
And so learning growing up 70s, 80s, you know, 80s was all about accumulation. That was a lot of masculine energy. So a lot of women in my generation were trained and conditioned to grow up in a more masculine approach to life. We've done a past episode about this, about masculine and feminine energy, and people can go back and find that episode. We really dug deep into the energies and the polarity of energies. But being in your masculine energy at work as a woman is a tremendous thing. It's a huge asset. It's what helps you crush it and kill it in business in the age of hashtag girl boss or boss in heels. That's not what we're talking about though, right? Absolutely. If I were running more feminine energy in my business, I would never get anything done. I would want to dance and paint and pick flowers and talk and unpack my emotions and unpack my girlfriend's emotions, I would never get anything done. So we do need to run that kind of energy, but we also need to be able to learn how to stop running that. And then when we go home to our partner, to be able to switch back into the feminine. And then for the masculine as well, to know how it is, if a woman is running more masculine energy, how is it that I could polarize her? How is it that I can help her get back into the feminine make her feel safe to be in the feminine core and this is where a lot of guys just have never been taught they've never really learned how to do this and if you think about it most of the time men come home so exhausted or stressed out working in a high pressure job that they're not really engaging emotionally with their feminine partner when we come home. Right. So imagine either a woman is working in the home or she's working outside the home. She gets home before the man. She's been running more masculine energy. She has a lot of emotional things to unpack. She has a lot of things to be able to clear and to say. And she's kind of brimming with, I have so much to tell you. And then there are things that he didn't do. He didn't maybe take out the trash. He didn't get this done. He didn't pick up the dry cleaning. So there on top of that is all this emotional morass that's coming. And then in walks the partner. Hi, honey, I'm home. When he's stressed out, he's worried. He's thinking about money. The kids are running around. The dog just threw up and something. All he wants at that time is about 20 minutes. And really, in the neuroscience that that I've been researching, what he needs is 20 minutes to be able to switch focus and be able to come home and be present for his lover. Now, should a man do that before he comes home into the door and tackles partner and kids and all that? Or is it okay just to come home and be like, look, I'm going to go back here for like 20 minutes I'm just going to sit in my boxers. I'm going to watch Sports Center. I'll be with you in a little bit. What's the best way for a man to handle that then? Either. Either he sits in the car for 20 minutes and gets ready to go home. Or if we can prepare it and she is not freaking out waiting for him to come home, making him wrong, and then he needs that 20 minutes, I think we can prepare. I think especially the feminine can do so much to say, you know what, honey, about this time of the month is a really good time to tell me I'm beautiful and bring me flowers. And if he can say, you know what, I just need about 20 minutes when I get home, and then I'm going to come and I'm going to be with you. And then he really is 
She'll get that. So the biggest problem here is a communication issue with neither partner really asking for what they need. But we talked about this in a past podcast is if you have two partners both occupying masculine energy, you know, and again, this could be heterosexual, gay relationship. It could be any type of relationship. We're talking about an opposite of energy. But if you're lacking the polarity, it sort of becomes a turf war for lack of a better term, right? It just becomes a power struggle for control and that kills any sense of physical intimacy. That kills any sense of physical intimacy. That then puts the feminine into worry mode. She doesn't feel safe. How is it that she's going to open her heart and her body to him if she doesn't feel safe? She's exhausted. She's resentful. She's irritated. And she doesn't know how to ask for what she needs. And when you say safe, you mean emotionally safe. Sure. So imagine this. Just picture this. He does come home. He either takes those 20 minutes and goes to chill and watch a game and then comes back and says, how was your day? I have noticed as a woman, when a man asks, how's your day? I'll offer a little piece of something and see what he does with it. And usually what he'll do is say, that's nice, and then go on about his way. (laughs) That, I'm sorry, is not going to get you laid. That Mm. is not going to work. There are three magic words. Mm -hmm. If I start to tell you about my day, maybe complain a little bit, maybe vent a little bit, and then I stop. If he were to say, tell me more, my heart opens just a little bit right there. That's it. Those three words are a game changer for a masculine partner in a relationship. Game changer. Well, then he he actually has to listen to what it is that I'm going to say. Listen without trying to jump in and solve it. Don't fix it for me. I probably already fixed it. I just want you to hear me. Listen without telling you that you're wrong. And here's why what you're thinking is BS. Also not going to get you laid. Yeah. Yeah. Listen without running to the other room thinking, I'm going to wait for this hurricane to pass because this woman's crazy and I don't know what's going on. That's another one that men do. Because here's another secret. We are always testing. Always. It's not intentional. It's not conscious. We are always testing. And the question behind the test is, are you still going to be here? If I push you away a little bit, if I blame you a little bit, if I'm frustrated, if I cry, if I yell at you, are you still going to be there? And for the man, what is it? Like we hear that, we hear ourselves get blamed. Is that, does that become like a mom issue? Do we feel like we're in a relationship with mom at that point? Is that why we tend to escalate and push back? We can look at all sorts of psychological issues. It really doesn't matter. It's not... If then the masculine is taking that personally and he absorbs that, gets defensive, and then starts a fight, that's not a safe place either. So where he's going is he's being and feeling emasculated. If the masculine could just not take that personally and could just be there in a sense of strength, in a sense of very strong purpose. Ah, my magic word. You say purpose. I do. My ears perk up. <laughs> Two things I'm hearing. I want to unpack the purpose thing, but and I want to talk more about that. But what I'm hearing you say is for women, emotional intimacy and a man being present emotionally, listening without trying to jump in, tell her she's wrong or try to fix shit. That emotional intimacy is the gateway to physical intimacy. Might just make my clothes fall off. 
not on accident. They no. just happen to disappear. Don't right. even need tequila at that point. <laughs> but for men, and this is sort of the sick joke that God's created in all this. Right. I feel like for most men, it's the physical intimacy that helps us become emotionally intimate. Absolutely. How do we fix that shit? Or is it not a matter that we can fix it? Is it just understanding your partner's needs and being able to give them what they need? Understanding your partner's needs, being able to give them what they need. If the masculine can be present with the feminine and can hear her, can allow her to unpack, can allow her to test him and stay there and be present and have that sense of purpose. There is something bigger for him than this interaction, than this conversation, than the kids, than the dogs, than the money, than the mortgage. There is a bigger sense of purpose for him. He's not going to get as defensive. So a man needs to fully know his purpose in order to make the feminine feel safe? Yes. Ah. And it has to be something that is bigger than the family. It has to be something that is bigger than his job. And it has to be something that is bigger than religion. What would that be then? Because I know, like, I'm thinking about this from the perspective of a man who is listening to this podcast. And really, we identify ourselves by what we do for work. It's the first thing that comes out of our mouth. We talk about our career. We identify ourselves as being a husband, a father. If it's not those things, how does one define themselves? Well, it's an interesting question about identity. Here's where you can look to see how it is that you identify yourself. How is it that you say, I am? So I am a psychic and a sexual empowerment coach. I am, people say, a parent. People say their job. People say, I am their religious domination. When that does give us a sense of identity and belonging, but how we find a bigger sense of purpose and a bigger mission That is what's going to drive us. Tell me from a female perspective, a feminine perspective, when a man is fully committed to, yes, the family, but to something bigger than him and bigger than the family, how does that help him get laid more? Oh, it's hot. (laughs) It's so hot. Speaking to men, I so wish more men knew this. A lot of men think that to settle down is to have a family, to put their identity into boyfriend, husband, father, when really what we want is we want you to have that sense of mission, that we know that we can trust no matter what goes on in the family, you're never going to lose that sense of mission and purpose. You're never going to lose that. It may change. It may grow. But we have so much more respect and able to open our heart and able to open our body to someone who has that kind of strength and drive. I love that. We've talked a lot about how men need to show up. Committed to your purpose. Yes. Showing up emotionally available, willing to listen without formulating your response to jump in and talk over top, but just listen with an open heart saying the magic words, tell me more. Oh, yeah. Let's talk for the women listening about how they can better show up in a relationship as well. Because we talk a lot about you need to be able to ask for your needs in a relationship. But do you find with clients, more often than not, that the reason we don't speak up for our needs is because sometimes we just don't even know them. We don't even know what we want. Exactly. We know what we don't want. In the notebook, Ryan Gosling saying, what do you want? Yeah. What do you want? So often women have no idea. 
We don't know what we want. We don't know what we need. We are looking for validation in every way around us except for ourselves. We look at social media. We look with our girlfriends. We look at work. We look at our family. Where are we going to get the approval and the validation that we really can provide for ourselves? So a couple of things that, that I talk to with every single woman that I work with. One is, it's a Marianne Williamson distinction, and what she called it was Aphrodite time. My teacher calls it goddess hour. Mm, yes. And whether this is an hour or not, it really doesn't matter on a regular basis. Regular basis is sitting down and being able to ask yourself, how am I and what do I need? And by how am I, really talking about tapping it at an emotional level. How am I feeling right now? And it may start with, I'm irritated about this, I'm irritated about this, I'm irritated about this, being able to write it down, being able to name that, being able to feel that, and then get into the emotional, what is it exactly that I'm looking for on Facebook? What is it exactly that I am wanting from him that I am irritated that he didn't text back immediately? Or if I feel betrayed in some way. Ultimately, what that is, the need that I'm not providing is I've been betraying myself. I haven't been doing my goddess hour. I haven't been taking that time. Ladies, we have to fill our cup. Have to. And this is why I'm so passionate about sexual empowerment. This is why I'm so passionate about working with women is the dramatic change in the reality of the woman's life when she starts doing this. She will be happier. She will sleep better. She'll have better sex. She'll have more sex. The kids will be better behaved. Her job will go better. She'll make more money. Seriously, like the Dalai Lama says, the Western woman will heal the world. I believe it. Because if we can support women in taking care of themselves, if we can support women in taking the time that we really need and provide that for ourselves, we are better women. We are better employers. We are better employees. We are better mothers. We are better lovers. We are better people standing in line at Starbucks. We are just better. And I think there's an important distinction because when you say, you know, it's important for women to take care of themselves. Yes. It seems like there's, again, going back to a point we made earlier, there's so much in the culture about, well, I am the breadwinner or I am working hard. Right. I do take care of myself. I do take care of the family. You're not talking just about financially. No, ladies okay. and gentlemen. I think this is a great lesson for men as well is how is it that we end up putting ourselves last? This is a lot of female conditioning about martyring ourselves, about putting ourselves last, about taking care of the family first, about not taking care of ourselves. And this is not about going for a manicure. That is like basic level self-care, which for some women is a big deal. And at one point for me, it really was because that was not something that I would give myself is time for a manicure. I went to brunch on Sunday and I had 16 <laughs> mimosas. I take care of myself, somebody says. Right. But difference between pampering and self-care is what you're saying. Difference between pampering and self-care. Difference between arrogance and self-care. So self-care really being able to take the emotional time. And if you have those girlfriends with whom you are fed, that you take the time with them. And gentlemen, if you see that she is martyring herself, if you see that she is putting herself last, if you see that she's not sleeping well, that she's stressed out, then maybe she cannot yet see it herself. Self, but go push her to do something. What is her creative expression? What is it that's something that brought her joy? And then to go do that, to move the body, to go dancing, to be out with the girls, to go to yoga, to go
go to an S-Factor class. That is a brilliant thing. Burlesque classes. Have you talked about S-Factor? No. Oh my gosh. It's healing emotional trauma through pole dancing. I'll try it, Megan. I'll try it. No, I, I know a lot of people who are into uh, the pole dance classes and stuff like that, but we've yes. never really discussed. I think a lot of people look at it as just an excuse to kind of go be sexual, but right. it's really more about just expression. Well, it is so much more about expression. And I started taking belly dance lessons. And for me, that changed my life because it was about getting out of my head. It was getting into the body. It was moving the sensual, creative, sexual energy, which is the second chakra. It was moving that kind of energy and really being around women who were supportive. And being able to do that started a cascade of events for me in my life that I started looking for what else was it that was a great creative expression for me? What else was it that was going to feel? Feed me. And that, ladies mm. and gentlemen, if you see that she is not taking care of herself, she is tired. She hasn't been for a manicure. She is exhausted. She gets petty and resentful and a little snarky. Then look for or go encourage her to find something that is going to feed her, something that is going to take care of her, get her out of her head, into her body, and the lines on her face even start to smooth. She smiles more. She's a little more receptive to your touches, your advances. She's a little more affectionate with the kids. So a great thing for a man who's listening right now is, honey, I'm taking the kids to a movie. Why don't you go take this time to do blank? Yes. That thing you love. Also, will probably get you laid more. <laughs> I like how we like bait people in by saying, hey, here's how you can have more sex in your life. But right? really what we're talking about is how to meet your partner's needs. Yes. And really how to take responsibility to meet your needs. Yes. And not expect somebody else to give it to you. Right. Which is emotional maturity. And one of my favorite books about relationships is Hold Me Tight. The premise in the book, and I take this into every area of my life, how is it that I can be attentive, responsive, and engaged in my relationship, in my business, with my friends, with my community, with my animals, with my physical self, taking care of myself, going to yoga, going to dance? How is it or where is it that I am not being attentive, responsive, and engaged? And being all three. Yes. Because there's times when you can be attentive. And a little freaky but not responsive. Right. Or you could be responsive, but not engaged if you're buried in your smartphone or you're watching TV and not making eye contact. So really, when we talk about attentive, responsive, and engaged, do you want to just tell people exactly what, to some degree, it's self-explanatory, but let's just touch on that, what that means in a relationship. Well, I'm curious, what would it be if there was a woman that you were in a relationship with that was attentive to you, responsive to your needs, responsive to her needs, Mm-hmm. engaged in your life, engaged in your day, engaged in your body, and engaged in hers. That sounds like the proverbial epic soulmate relationship. When I find her, I'm not letting that go. That's been missing from many of my relationships in the past. See, that's exciting. Imagine what we could do with the divorce rate. Imagine what we could do with education. If we could all be in some way just a little bit more Attentive, responsive, and engaged in every area of our life. You know, what's occurred to me as we're having this conversation is we started out talking about like the lack of sex in a relationship. Right. It has absolutely nothing to do with sex, though. 
You're right. There's a hundred layers underneath it that most people complain about the lack of physical intimacy. But that's an easy thing to focus on because, well, I'm either getting laid or I'm not. But what we're really talking about is all the complex layers underneath. So much. When the feminine is not taking care of herself, when the feminine is not doing something like goddess hour, when the feminine is not moving her body, when she's not taking care of herself, when she's not present with herself, she's going to be petty, resentful, complaining, and then probably complaining about her man. This will also go into mean girl kind of experience mm. where women sit together, they drink wine, talk about mommy juice, and then complain about their boyfriends and husbands. Commiserate. Yes. Yeah. Which is a great way to feel connection if you're not feeling it at home. You can get it through your friendships, usually by bonding over what sucks in your life, which is not a long-term strategy for happiness either, correct? Right. I call it traumatic intimacy. So how does this play out for men then? Like when we were talking about, you know, women who aren't attentive, responsive, and engaged with themselves, mm -hmm. they're behaving this way. When you're working with your male clients, how does that manifest with a man? Well, then he won't have a bigger sense of purpose. He will be focused and worried about money, family, fighting, job. That's pretty much it. He won't have a lot of attention on his physical body. He won't have a lot of attention on his emotional body. He will start to get petty and snarky and defensive. He will start to be... Critical. Critical. The victim. I guess to some extent, guys can bond over that too, right? Oh, sure. You know, guys will do the same thing. There's a stereotype, I think. A lot of men carry a belief that to get married and to have a family means that you're giving up all your freedom. Right. And really, at the end of the day, freedom is what men crave more than anything. Right. That emotional freedom. How can a, a, a feminine in a relationship help cultivate that sense of freedom or give her man space to have that freedom? How do we do that? Oh, this is juicy. I and... I'm just kind of scanning if there's any woman that I'm working with or any of my girlfriends that would not want this and I don't see any of them. No. We may think that we want you to stay home. We may think that we want you to race and run to the grocery store and grab us something if you have plans that are purpose-driven. We actually don't because when you do that, when you go on a whim for us, when we can order you around, when we can direct you, we actually lose respect. We want that sense of strength and drive and purpose and mission. We respect that. We love that about you. The masculine fascinates me. I think this is such an important conversation for men because there are married men listening to this right now who feel like they cave in on the regular to try right. to please their partner. And at the end of the day, by collapsing on themselves or abandoning themselves, they're actually creating a situation where their partner respects them less for it. Is that what you're saying? Is yes. that what I'm hearing? Respects them less. And ultimately, what's predictable in a respect-less relationship is a lot less sex and possibly even infidelity. So, gentlemen, if you have had a pattern of women who have cheated, this is where I would look. Now, what they did is unacceptable. It is never right to break vows. I am not justifying that in any way. And if there's been a pattern of women making you feel bad, ordering you around, having you do things just to make them happy, which will never happen, by the way. We will 
never be satisfied. And you and you actually want that. You want us to feel desire as much as possible. And then cheating or you have a fear of cheating by her behavior. This is where I would look. What is that sense of mission for you? What is that sense of purpose? And if it's your family or your relationship or your job, I would highly suggest that you do some work on that. Mm-hmm. Because when we see the energy, when we see that there's so much respect and a way that we can surrender to you emotionally, spiritually, sexually, that we would never be able to otherwise. I think about how this has played out in my life over the course of my lifetime. And I was not always a guy. And and you've been on the same personal growth journey as I am. We're right? in the same mentorship group. So you've seen this evolution over the last year with me. But I was not a guy that was fully showing up in my purpose and in my masculine energy. And a lot of that was conditioned from childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up with a very masculine energy mom. And this is something I think women should keep in mind is if you're occupying that masculine energy as a mother, you tend to raise sons who go feminine. Mm -hmm. And so there were a lot of ways, like when I look back on my life and relationships where I was showing as alpha as I was in my career, both in corporate and getting this coaching business going, I was completely rolling over in relationships Mm. and getting walked over top of. And it would make sense that partners in the past just didn't respect me. Right. You know, it was a survival mechanism growing up in a pretty tough house because there was literally physical or emotional annihilation that was attached if I tried to outmasculine my mother. But while that helped me in childhood, it did nothing to serve me as an adult male. No matter whether you're a masculine or feminine partner listening to this conversation, it's to start thinking about well, God, what was my partner's childhood like? What was his relationship with his mother? And it probably informs a lot of the patterns you're seeing unfold in your relationship. Right. And then what was the pattern? What was the dynamic in with your parents? So what was the dynamic if it was a very strong woman, very masculine running energy, not authentic? Because there are women who have a masculine core Mm -hmm. and that is real and authentic. But when it's a mask or when it's a coping mechanism or a way to survive, then they are going to raise more masculine daughters and more feminine boys. God, it's, <laughs> we started out with a conversation here about how to have better sex, and now we're talking about <laughs> generations of family trauma. I love this goddamn podcast. Only this on this podcast pretty, would we pre- do this. Pretty freaking great. So let's take this full circle. We started here with a conversation about sex. Right. I think what we've uncovered over the past 40 minutes is this goes much deeper than just the amount of times that you're getting it in. It's a much deeper <laughs> issue, no pun intended. Oh! oh. <laughs> we'll see if that even makes the final cut. I don't know. That might get edited out. If we had to give people three actionable steps, and maybe it's different for the masculine and the feminine, but if there were three steps that somebody could take away from this podcast, implement into their life now, that would help them enrich the physical part of their life. Mm. What would that be? And is it different for men and women? Very much so. I think so. So let's start for the ladies listening. Three steps that will help them have better sex. Stop complaining about your man because it amplifies the energy of the complaint. 
Mm-hmm. Whenever we complain, it amplifies. It gets bigger. And then our girlfriends, usually it's our girlfriends who we're talking to about it, are then listening for the amplification. So we're then listening for the drama to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So stop complaining. Start looking what is right about him. I mean, he can't be all that bad. Yeah. You married and him for a reason. Married him for a reason. Even if it was an arranged marriage, it can't be that bad. And start looking for what is good. Because when we ask our unconscious a question, what is wrong with him, you're going to get a list. And when we ask our unconscious a question, what is right with him, we're going to get a list. Great life approach, too, whether it be about relationships or not. Right. And I don't mean this like trite, like just be positive thinking, but there is science behind it. When we ask the brain certain questions and how we ask certain questions, we will get an answer. So you want to be careful about what questions you ask. Ladies, goddess hour. Which is two questions, sort of in a meditative state. Mm-hmm. How am I? What do I need? Which the benefit of that is it's causing you to be emotionally present for yourself. Yes. So that you can ask for what you need. In a clear way. Yes. And therefore set up accountability for your man to show up for you. Yes. So now back to sex. Sometimes we got to call it in. What do you mean? Sometimes not feeling it. And we do it anyway. Because the chemical benefits and the physical benefits. So less wrinkles, better sleep, more orgasms. The more times we have sex, the more likely we are to have orgasms. I have lots and lots of information about the female orgasm. Sometimes to get the juices flowing, we have to call it in. Got it. And he doesn't always need to know that we're calling it in. And to be clear, we're, you know, in the age of Me Too, we're not saying that you do something that makes you feel unsafe or uncomfortable. Oh, absolutely not. That this is simply about those times when it's a coin flip. Could do this, Eh, but I could go to bed. You know. You're saying... Air on the side of sex. Air on the side of sex. <laughs> Always. Because if you're wanting to be closer to your man and how he accesses emotional intimacy is through physical, sometimes to get there, we may not be in the mood and then we get into the mood. So, gentlemen. So, yeah, what do the guys do? Okay, guys, prepare that you really do need 20 minutes. Ladies do too. But for men, it's more pronounced. You need 20 minutes. It's, it's called the emotional refractory period to change from work mode to home mode. And you need that time of nothingness. You really do need that time. So either before you come into the house or as you get into the house, prepare the family I need some time. Mm -hmm. And you set a timer and then you are present and available and attentive and responsive and engaged. And when they see that you are those things after those 20 minutes, they'll be pushing you into the room for those 20 minutes. Beautiful. Number two, 24 hours. Remember, it's a 24-hour foreplay starts 24 hours before. It's a lot of work, Megan. It's a lot of work. (laughs) I'm tired thinking about this. Oh, what gee, is 24, Dan. What is 24 hours? Right, oh, this gee, is why I'm Dan. What does 24 hours of foreplay look like? Because I don't think you're simply talking about, hey, let's break out the toy chest. Define 24 hours of foreplay. Well, caressing, touching, say something nice. Don't criticize. Because women can tell when we're genuinely coming from a place of wanting to be present versus when we think we're saying something nice because we want to get laid. You yeah. guys always know. 
We know. Yeah. And sometimes we let it slide. But be nice. You'll get laid more. Be nice. There's a lot of um, research about the orgasm and what is it that stops women from being able to have an orgasm. And one of the big things is worry and feeling criticized. Mm. We love to be told that we're beautiful. We love to be told what it is that you love about us. We love to be appreciated. And the woman's body loves all of those things too. Beautiful. And is there a third step? So we said... Purpose. Yeah. What is that? Why is it that you're here? And it's not about your family. And it's not about your job. And it's not about your religion. Because at the end of the day, if you get divorced... I mean, maybe this is where many men fall apart is you can lose a marriage, but does that mean you've lost your purpose? And you can lose a job. You could lose a child, unfortunately. I mean, not to be dark, but Mm -hmm. I mean, that happens. I've I've worked with a client who, you know, lost a child and felt like there's nothing left. What is there? Or to lose respect in a religious congregation Mm -hmm. or to move across the country for work and lose your congregation. That could be a loss of sense of identity. The masculine needs something that is bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. What a great way to end the podcast. Uh. Um, No, those are awesome steps. And this conversation ended up becoming so much more than what I expected it to be. I loved it. Not surprised, given uh, as well as I know you and all the wisdom that you have to offer. Megan Riley, if people want to look you up, if they want to find you, tell them about your podcast and tell them about your website. So I have a podcast, The Women's Guide to Living the Orgasmic Life. What if, ladies, every area of our life was eye-rolling good? Mm. What if? And not eye-rolling is in my man's a piece of garbage. I'm eye-rolling every time he walks into the room. We're talking about the other eye-rolling. What kind of better women would we be if every area of our life were eye-rolling good? And my website is MeganMRiley.com. So I'm a sexual empowerment coach and a psychic. I've been doing this for a very long time. It's about 14 and a half years. And the biggest joy that I find is working with women on healing their relationship with their body, healing their relationship with their sexuality, healing their relationship with themselves, and really being able to get to a point where they not only find themselves, but are able to like live out loud. And that watching that and watching the effects of more money and more love and more fun and more joy and passion and adventure, that is my mission and purpose. Well, look her up online. You can also find her on Instagram. What's your Insta handle? Megan M. Riley. Check her out for all your sex and orgasm needs. (laughs) (laughs) This is so much fun, Megan. I'm so glad we got to be able to do this. Thank you, Dan. This was really great. Megan, love you, girl. Bye. Megan is the best. I love her to death, and I'm so excited I got to introduce you to her this week. If you love the podcast, be sure to share it with the people you love. In fact, this is a podcast you might want to sit down and listen to with your partner if there are some things hitting home. But at any rate, if you love what you're hearing, please share this with the world. Help us get this message out there. You can screenshot the podcast, upload it to Instagram, tag her at Megan M. Riley, and you can tag me at CSC Dan Mason. Let us know that you're listening and let us know that you're getting value from the podcast. Also, if you love what you're hearing, don't forget you can follow us on the iHeartRadio app or give us those five-star ratings and reviews up on iTunes. Again, it just helps with placement, guys. Gets us into that new and noteworthy section so 
more people can hear this and more people can live their own life amplified. If you're somebody out there looking to connect to your purpose, especially now that you know it's going to help you in your relationship, I have a couple spots open in my VIP coaching program coming up in the month of August. I would love to be able to serve you. You can apply now to work with me at my website, Creative Soul Coaching. Net. And don't forget, you can also join our online community for listeners of the podcast. We'll put a link to that, our private Facebook group, in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, it's time to turn down the volume on your negativity, turn up the volume on your purpose, so you can get out there and live life amplified. I'll talk to you next week.